Hey guys, this is Hank, and I'm coming to you from Bangkok, Thailand. I'm at a, at a hotel called the Chateau de Bangkok, which if you're from Los Angeles, you may be used to the Chateau Marmont. This is the Chateau Bangkok. Way less fancy, but uh, it's in a really cool spot. I actually ended up here mildly randomly, or I guess if you don't believe in randomness, I ended up here as a process of pure destiny. I was just speaking at TEDx in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is such a beautiful and cool city. And then I'm due to speak at a conference in Perth, Australia. Well, flying from Los Angeles to Hong Kong is 15 hours, and then flying from Hong Kong to Australia is like six or seven, but you cross the international dateline. So I had two days, really, two and a half days. So boarding the flight, I was like, man, am I, just, I could just sit in Hong Kong for a few days. Or I could go see somewhere else in Asia, and I have a whole bunch of stuff I'm working on, and I've got a book proposal that is way past due, and I've got all these things I've got to get squared away for our big event. So I was like, where am I going to go? So I text my friend Scott, who does a lot of business in Asia, and I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Bangkok for the next couple weeks. And I said, cool, if you have a spot for me, I'm coming. So while I was sitting in the airplane boarding the flight i had boarded early and i was sitting there booking the flight on my phone to from hong kong to bangkok and then from bangkok straight to perth so i've been here for the last two days chilling at the chateau de bangkok and bangkok and working at scott's office and it's just been incredible we we got a chance to do some touristy stuff but we, i've been so busy i haven't really had time to play much i've been doing a lot of just preparation and doing a lot of writing and one of the nights, I was like, I can't go straight to sleep, even though I'm exhausted. We've got to go out. So we went to a place that actually uh, another friend in Hong Kong told me about called Vertigo. And it's on the top of a hotel here in Bangkok called the Banyan Tree. And if you ever are in Bangkok, and if you're listening to this and you, you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The place is like a futuristic, magical spot. You're on a rooftop hotel rooftop of the hotel and there's a restaurant there and you, you might just go like, yeah, it's just like any restaurant, but there's something about the Bangkok skyline as it surrounds you and the way that you're immersed in it through this restaurant that is incredible. It felt like there should be flying cars around me. It felt like I was organically a part of the city and yet super detracted from it. It was really beautiful. But one of the things we noticed, and I was sitting with my friend Scott who has his master's degree in urban planning and he said, what's crazy about this is it doesn't seem like there's any zoning to Bangkok. That in Bangkok alone, you, you can't really actually tell what area is downtown or what area is what. It has a bit of a Los Angeles vibe to it, although LA is much clearer about what's downtown and what's not. But in Bangkok, there seems almost to be like a haphazard way in which it's actually laid out. And one of the things, ways in which that, that yields itself every single day is yesterday I was trying to find a, a CrossFit nearby because I've always noticed that when you travel, your body just, just dissipates. Your muscles disappear. Your body starts to hurt. And all the people I admire the most take their physical fitness on travel so seriously. So I just I was looking for a CrossFit that I could find. And I found one, and it wasn't far away. And I got a taxi driver. I said, hey, I need to get to this CrossFit class, you know, this workout by, by 530 or whatever. And he said, oh, it doesn't, that won't happen. I was like, it's only like a mile and a half. He said, yeah, every day in Bangkok from 3 p.m. to 7 or so p.m., traffic is at a standstill. There's no way to move. You don't move in and out. You move very slowly. It just because the way that the city's laid out, it's not laid out with an easy downtown. It's not laid out with rhythms. It's not laid out ready for the amount of humans it holds.
And I kept thinking what's so interesting is the loss that that is. Like think about the fact that a city of 8.2 million people, 9 million people, if we, if we adjust for the time when that stat was made, 9 million people, and they can't move for four hours every day. So he said people leave work early, like around noon, or they just don't come into work until late and then stay late, that it messes with people's rhythms. Think about what is lost in the city. And as I was thinking about that, I know it just seems so strange because I love Bangkok as a culture and the speed and the energy of it is really, uh, I'm super into it. But I found myself wondering and asking the question, is why did Bangkok turn out the way Bangkok was? And then you have other cities relatively nearby that turned out like Singapore. I started researching it, trying to figure out what is it about this city that holds for me wisdom for my life? One of the things I love about travel and I love about even just being a part of, of a global city or being a part of a global movement, like what we get to do, I, I just love that everything teaches me something. And while I was in Bangkok, I've just been reflecting on what is it in my life that looks a whole lot like the mistakes that were made when this city was laid out. So I started Googling it and checking it out, and it turns out this phrase is the first thing that came up. It said, Bangkok's rapid growth accompanied by little urban planning and regulation, has resulted in a haphazard cityscape and an inadequate infrastructure system. For 9 million people, this entire city is constantly in reaction mode because it did not have adequate planning. Now compare that to a city like Singapore, which has like 8,000 people per square kilometer, one of the densest populated cities in the world, top three. And the planning and the infrastructure ranks number one every single time they test it because it is so prepared for its volume of humanity, volume of growth, whether it's building or infrastructure like utilities, infrastructure like, like transit. All those things are planned out. And what kept rolling around in my mind is how do I make sure that my life, as I build the city that is my life, looks a whole lot more Singapore and feels a lot less like the messes that Bangkok has to deal with. Now, this is not like a Singapore is better than Bangkok moment. It's just there's weaknesses to this city in Bangkok. And there's so many strengths to Singapore. And I think there's a lesson in there for me. So I started thinking and thinking through these different things. And th this is what, what kept coming to my mind as I started to reflect that all the people that I see in my life who have built beautiful cities with their life, who have done incredible things, who have done things that I look at their life and I, I just look at them and I go, this guy built a Singapore. He built a city that's going to last well beyond his life. He built a city that serves so many other people. He built a life that is worth emulating. And then sometimes I look at my own life and I'm like, I'm like Singapore. I'm just, I'm just dealing with growth on the fly. I'm responding to things. I'm just sort of moving on. I, I'm not at all planning for the infrastructure of my life. And what happens, I see, is that my life actually, it loses productivity. It loses its capacity to hold what it could have had I planned earlier. Had I been better prepared, had I been more focused. So I thought I'd go through like a little grid. A grid of I what I'm experiencing and what I see and what I've learned from people and even what I've experienced in my own life that helps us create certain spaces and certain ways in which we can build those cities. Because if you're listening to this, you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't about a work of your life. You wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't about the work of your life. You're building something with your family. You are building a city with your career. You're building a city with your life. You're in the process, if you're a mom or you're a dad or you're a teacher or you're an entrepreneur or you're a pastor, whatever it is that you're doing, you're building something with your life. And in the process of that building, we all 
We all can learn from these cities who have gone hundreds and thousands of years before us to become what they are and implement those insights into our life. So that's what I hope we get to accomplish at the end of this conversation. So the first thing that I thought of is this passage, and it's a really beautiful passage. It's in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. And earlier on this podcast, I interviewed a guy named Frank Sinatra, who's sort of, he's going to hate this description, streetwear loyalty, a royalty. He, he built a brand called Stussy that he started 33 years ago that's still top in its class every year, still profitable every single year. And he is just a great and um, adm- admirable man that said that this passage of scripture was his favorite verse and is a verse by which he lives his life. And you can tell by the work of his life, but I think it also fits perfectly for this conversation. The verse goes like this. It says, prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And then after that, build your house. Prepare your work outside and get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. So what he's describing is he's describing the ability to actually create what you've planned, to actually go, okay, this is the field that's going to sustain this home, and then this home is what I'm going to live in, and this is what's going to take care of me. But I started by planning out, I started by sketching out, I started by making sure I was prepared for what it is that I was going to create and that that would sustain my life. I think so many times in my life I've always, I've, I've picked the place I want to live before I picked what I was going to do to support that place I wanted to live. That could be in relationships or that could be in careers or that could be in jobs where you go, I think I want to do this or, or we get, just get reactive. And what happens is we end up finding ourselves where we make commitments, whether it's, in, whether it's financial commitments or relational commitments, without planning and then we end up being reactive to those commitments for years to come. What this passage is, is really laying out for us is three rhythms of what it means, three rhythms and spaces of what it means to create a beautiful city with your life. The first one is planning. You start planning, and then the second one is creating. You start creating, and the third one is you respond. Planning, creating, and responding. All three of them are necessary at all stages of life, and there are different ways in which they interact, and this passage opens it up perfectly. What the writer's saying is that you have to plan. You have to prepare your work outside. Then he says, prepare, plan, then get everything ready for yourself in the field. Plant, prepare, create. The second stage is the creating stage, and then build your house, and then create your house. So that if something goes wrong, if you're not planned, if you're not prepared, you're not locked into that place because you've been about the work of creating. And then responding to different elements. What I find in my life is, that the most effective things that I accomplish are the ones that took sometimes the most amount of energy to strategize and to plan and to prepare for. And that stage is so often mix, missed, stage is so often left behind. See, for me, I have what's called activator, and activator in Strength Finders language is, basically means that you just, you ready, fire, aim. And I, I find myself that I love creating and I love moving and I love doing and I love going, but oftentimes I find myself building the house before I've built the field. And the planning and the preparing and the strategizing process is so important. It's the first stage. That second stage is the stage of creating. That might be where you are now, where you're thinking, I've already planned this, I've got this laid out, I've got all the necessary preparation and the necessary data, I'm ready to move. 
That creating stage is so essential. It's where you just get to ready the field for yourself. You get to build deep into it. That is the part that I find most energizing and most exciting is the actual doing, the actual creating, the actual digging, the actual burying of the seed. See, that's the exciting piece for me in my life. But as we all know, what we plan and what we create does not always end up the way we expect it to. You can make a plan and you can get about the work of that plan, but no one on this planet thinks that that plan is going to be executed without any unknowns, without any surprises. Every city ever built was surprised by fires and was surprised by tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes. Something happens. And that might be in your life. As you've built your life and been building your life, you keep finding that every time you get a leg up or every time you get something constructed or start executing a plan, you have this natural disaster or what feels like some exhausting thing that just shouldn't be there. It just comes tsunamiing its way across your city. See, all of these things, this is what life is. It is full of all these things. What to do with them and how to be about the responding and the resilience of that in life is what building a beautiful city, what building your Singapore is going to be all about. So there's this passage in 2 Corinthians 4 that's the first thing that came to mind upon this process. And it's this passage that's really beautiful. It's Paul writing to the church in Corinth and he's He's saying these words, and we'll, it's four verses, so it's going to take a second, but check this out. He says, but when we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He, he's painting this picture of the coexistence of strength and fragility, this coexistence of life and death that you and I, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the power belongs to God and not to us, that we can feel so powerful some days. And I do, I feel fully powerful someday and fully empowered by society and by technology and by the world. And yet at the same time, he says, we want you to know that this is in jars of clay because the power belongs to God and not to us. It was Pascal who said that it was not strength that defines humanity, but frailty. Pascal said that a drop of water or a breath of air can kill him. That we are all so fragile. No matter how protected or how planned or how powerful we can feel, we must always be aware of our fragility whether that's from internal, whether from that's inside of us or that's from outside of us. See, this passage continues and says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. He's saying life is going to swing at you and life is going to happen to you. But when you have this connection to God, when you are with God, you must know that that divine power inside of you that belongs to him will keep you alive when it feels like death is coming after you. And then he says this. He says, for, the, for always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies as well. That he's saying you're always carrying inside of you this awareness that everything that is powerful always coexists with what is weak. 
That is you and I, we plan about our lives and we go about the creating of our lives. There's always going to be the necessity that we lose things. As you plan your life, you're going to lose relationships. As you plan your life and you get to creating of your life, you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose opportunities. You're going to have to say goodbye to certain things. And maybe where you are now in the season of your life, where you've started things and you've gotten ready for things and now you realize that this new venture of your life or this new season of your life is going to mean saying goodbye to some people. It's going to mean saying goodbye to some things. It may be meaning that you're going to have to say goodbye to who you are. My friend Chelsea had this really cool moment where when she got married, she had a goodbye party for her last name and got everybody together and had this moment where she just said goodbye to who she was when she was single with a different name and an independence and all this life. And now that she's joining her life to this man, Charles, that she was marrying, who's a wonderful man, and she's stepping into this new life. But she was saying goodbye to that old life. That's carrying inside all of us is this awareness that as powerful as God is, and as powerful as we experience our lives, there is still the fragility of life and death. That for every beautiful thing that comes into our life, there is also this awareness that it will either leave us or it has replaced something that's been, been broken. I think what I find in my life is that so much every new opportunity in my life, every new stage in my life, every new season of my life involves a saying goodbye to something, a letting go of something. And that's what this passage is describing is that we're living in this world where even no matter what plans you've made for your life or what future you have for your life, we have to be aware of the fact that there will come a day where we'll have to say goodbye to that day, goodbye to that life, goodbye to that person. Because this is, in essence, it's the series or the season or the flow of life, which is we can plan and prepare and then we create and then we have to say goodbye when things are left without us. There's this really beautiful story about the Hoover Dam. You know, the Hoover Dam used to be called the Boulder Dam and the the Boulder Dam was the largest engineering feat of its day. And the goal of this day is that it would actually, or this dam, is that it, it would actually bring life and bring power and bring water to places that otherwise could not be inhabited. So right now, I live in Los Angeles. Right now, the Hoover Dam holds Lake Mead together, which is 697 feet deep. And it's at, you know, desert stage right now. So it's at, at drought stage. So it's down 30 or 40 feet or something but it's still 600 and something feet deep. So when people in Newport Beach are watering their lawns, they're watering their lawns with water from Las Vegas, from Lake Mead, from Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam made it possible for everything to occur, everything to be built in that area because it was gonna give power and it was gonna give water. But what's crazy is they lost people in the building of Hoover Dam. Because it was so ambitious and it was so big and what they were trying to build was so huge, they lost people. People died of heat ex exposure. People died of, of the heights. People died of the engineering. People died of the mechanisms. People died of disease. They, they lost people in the process of that. But they kept moving for what they were building because they knew what they were building was so essential to the growth and to the evolution of that area in those days. They believed in what they were doing, so they just kept moving. And at the end, they made a plaque, and they put this plaque at the Hoover Dam when they dedicated it, and it had these words on it. It said, these died that the desert might rejoice and blossom as the rose. These died that the desert might rejoice and blossom as the rose. That every sacrifice meant that it was gonna give, bring life to something else. 
This is what Paul is describing in this passage, that in your life, we carry with us the sacrifice and the death of Jesus because it's a reminder that he brings the life forward, that in all of us, we carry with us the fragility of being human, but we also carry in us the divine power of God's presence in our life. So for you and me, as we build our cities, my hope is that we never get stuck, that we always choose to move to that next stage, that next space. For you, you might be the kind of person that you get stuck in the planning phase, and you might get stuck in that planning phase because you just think it, think it, think it, think it, and you, you just need somebody to push you. And that's what this conversation can be, is like, go. It might be time for you to go and create. I have that issue in my life <laughs> so many ways. As much as I like to go and create, some things I get a mental block on and I just prepare them f- forever. For this, for example, this podcast right now, I'm having this conversation with you in this hotel mid-October. I was having a conversation with people about starting a podcast in June and it's taken me this many months to sit down and just do it. And I've had people in my life who I love who just say, just go, what are you waiting on? And so if that's you and you're where I am (laughs) and what I deal with, I need those people in my life and I hope this is the conversation that just says, just go, get about the building of that city because you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna have trouble. Just get to the creating stage. Now, some of you, you might be in the creating stage and you need to take a step back and go, it's time to plan. I gotta, I gotta have a strategy here. I gotta have a plan here. We, I've just been moving and I need to take a step back. I had this conversation here. I've been with my friend Scott and his friend James here in Bangkok and I've had such an extraordinary opportunity to sit with them and talk about Adopt Together. And if we haven't met yet before, Adopt Together is a crowdfunding platform for adoption that my dad and I started with a bunch of our friends about three and a half years ago. And we started in the creating phase Our planning was only because of the technology, but we didn't plan how it would play out. We were just going, this needs to happen and kids need families and this is something no one is doing, we're doing it. Well, now it's been about three years and there's a lot of people doing it. And so our season now is where we take a step back and go, okay, where do we fit and what is the best strategy and what do we need to do? We are taking a step away from the creating phase and into the planning phase to go, that's what we need to start thinking about is where do we fit? That might be where you are right now. You might be in a place where you go, I've just been doing, 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 and I've been responding, 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 but I just haven't planned anything out, and my life is feeling a whole lot like Bangkok, and I know I'm losing productivity, and I know it's nuts, and I can't get anywhere for days. If that's you, may this conversation just take a step back and go, I already need to find some wise people, and sit down with them and say, it's time to start planning my next steps and the kind of city and the kind of life I want to have, sitting at lunch today, I asked the two guys, I said, what do you want to be known for? Like in 5, 10, 15 years, whatever, for whatever you're doing right now, what do you want to be known for? It's a beautiful place to begin the question and say, what do I want to be doing in a decade? What do I want the city that is the life I'm creating to look like? I got to start by planning. So you might be stuck in planning and I want this conversation to be about creating. You might be creating and you might need to step back to planning, but you might be in this other category where you are in a constant state of responding and you're just getting tired. We might be having this conversation and you are just like, I'm so sick of all the fragility and the complexity and why can this, when do I get the earthquakes to stop? Did I settle my life in the wrong place? If that's you, I want you to embrace the death and the life that coexists within you. I want you to embrace the fragility and the surpassing power that coexists within you. 
This is the invitation of Jesus, and this is why God is so much to me. Because for me, the essential power of my day-to-day life is that I am constantly in need of the power of God because I'm so powerfully aware of how weak I am every day. And if you're here, I want you to embrace that responding and what that's taking out of you and what you're having to do. I want you to just take a step inward and just say, God's power and God's life is going to live within this frail jar of clay that I am. And I'm just going to embrace the fact that God is here and God is with me. And I can be afflicted in every way, but I will not be crushed. I can be perplexed, but I'm not going to be driven to despair. I can be persecuted. I want you to just repeat these words over and over to know that the life that you're building, the family that you're building, the you that you're building through the city of your life, it matters so much. And God wants his power to give you the power to build the beautiful city. I hope that through this conversation, you would get about the building of your Singapore. You would get about the building of your city that will outlast you, the life that will outlast you, the good that you will give away, the life that you will create. And I hope that through this conversation, you and I would get about saying goodbye and letting go of those things that just need to be let go of, that our lives and our cities may be like the the Hoover Dam, that anything we say goodbye to or that we sacrifice or that we lose might blossom as the rose in another place, that your life and my life, as we live our lives, might through our children or through our friends or through those we help or through those we serve, might actually create a flourishing place for those people and that you and I, we could build a city that would outlast all of us. That's my hope for you. That's my prayer for you. And as you go about your typically hazardous life, may we always plan, create, and respond.